If you will, open up your Bibles to John 15. We started a series last week called I Love You. And uh, so we're discussing love. And uh, love is a huge subject. And maybe we could do better at it here, you know, teaching more on love. Because if you think about it, God is love. The, the new covenant, you know, a lot of people, you know, that come to know the Lord are taught the Ten Commandments, you know, thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that. But do you realize that the Bible is a book of covenants or a will? And there's an old covenant and a new covenant. And in the old covenant, there were commandments for that will. And they were connected to the old covenant. Now there's commandments for the new covenant. Jesus said, he brought a new covenant, but he also said, a new commandment I give you. And so if we're trying to fulfill this first covenant or this second covenant or last covenant uh, with the Ten Commandments, we're doing it wrong. You with me? We're to follow the commandment of love. And it said we would fulfill all those other commandments if we follow this. So this is important. This commandment of love is connected to this covenant. And so it's important for us to know it. Jesus said this, by us living out this commandment, all people will know that we are his disciples. Not just because we give scriptures, not just because we witness, but because we love one another. So that leads us to John 15, verse 12, and we're going to get started here, because this is important. If we're to walk in this love, what does this love look like? Because there's a lot of opinions about what this love looks like, like this love is weak, or this love is this or that. But here in John 15, 12, we're going to look at this and see the example or what, what in the world does this love look like? How, how do I know if I'm doing this? John 15, and we'll look at verse 12. Jesus said, this is my commandment. How many of you follow Jesus? This is his commandment. You know, some people say, I just want to know the will of God. If there's anything I want to know, it's the will of God. And then we'll teach you how to know the will of God. You want to know the will of God? Here's where it starts. This is my commandment. That you love one another. Well, if he would have left it right there, there could be interpretation. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, if he just said, I'm giving you a commandment to love one another. When I was growing up, you know, we had newspapers. And in the newspapers, there was a cartoon in there. And every week, you know, on Sunday, it was, there was like a little circle or whatever. And some of you will remember this. It would say, love is. Anybody remember that? That part? Okay, two people. Oh, some more. Okay. But it was love is. And it would say like, love is helping your friend on the teeter-totter. Oh, cool. I'm learning about love. Love is sharing your popsicle. No, that's not love. Because I'm not sharing my popsicle. No, I'm just saying 
there, it's open to interpretation until you read the next part. Love one another as I have loved you. Oh, well, that just gives you all the outline you need right there. Then, then all I need to do is know how he loves me or how he loved them. And then I duplicate that and I'm doing it. Wow, that's pretty good. I mean, that's pretty clear. And it's not all left to just different ideas. So if you really think about this, he said, love as I have loved, not just as I have loved, because notice what he targets there. This is my commandment that you love other people or one another. And then he didn't just say, as I loved, as I loved you. So I don't know if you read that and just think about it, you realize right now he's talking about a personal relationship. Because how can I know he loves me and really know it personally unless I personally know it and personally uh, experience this love? And this, this, notice what he said, as I have loved you, so it was more of a daily basis of love. This wasn't an event that he did one time. Now, I'm going to love you today, and, and you're going to see this today, and you keep this as a memory, and then you just live this whole life like this. No, they got to see him every single day. And through their relationship with them, there was one thing that they got to observe was his love toward them. It was personal. They were experiencing the love of Jesus on a daily basis. And then he said, as you've seen this, go now give it to other people the way I gave it to you. Everybody okay? Because isn't that what he said? As I have loved you. So that means they had been experiencing it. So it was something they knew. And then it was something that they knew they were to give to other people. And it was a regular thing. How many people uh, recognize that we pick up things from people we hang around with? And so you could say it like this. Jesus could have said this, through your personal relationship with me and your personal experience with me, by what you see and what you hear and what you know and observe, you repeat this with other people. Well, we're at a disadvantage then because we couldn't walk with Jesus, but we do walk with him when we get saved. And then we are to spend time in his word because then when we spend time in his word, and in this case, it'd be Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we could see how he treated people, right? We, we see how he treated somebody who was caught in adultery. We, we see how he treated harsh religious people. We see how that he treated people when they were going astray in their faith and not doing the right things. What he did, 
And it was all an expression of God's love and his great mercy toward humanity. And he said, now flip the tables and give this to other people. What we need to realize, and I think sometimes people don't realize this, turn to 1 Corinthians 15. I'll read this and then I'll explain. That, that what we associate with uh, has a great effect on us. And Jesus said, you've associated with me, you have observed me, this is something that's part of your life, give it. But notice 1 Corinthians 15, 33. It says, do not be deceived. Is there an opportunity then to be deceived or tricked into believing a lie? What was he telling them, don't be tricked into believing? He said, evil company corrupts good habits. He was saying it like this, don't think you can just hang around bad stuff, evil and wrong, and don't think that that won't corrupt or have an effect on you. Anybody ever had a corrupted file? in your computer, and it wreaked havoc on the whole computer. That was not your intention, but somehow it associated with your computer. It got in there, and then it corrupted how your computer ran. True? Somebody's like, I got an apple. Okay, well, whatever. Think you're holier than us or something? You're still susceptible to viruses. We'll argue about that later. Anyway, it's because they target the mass, not the small little bunch. Somebody's like, you're arguing. Sorry. Um, I still need to hang around with the Lord. No, but evil company corrupts good habits. Well, it's a good habit to be able to turn your computer on and let the thing run right. And then have it sitting there acting funny and you go to somebody and then you have to let their computer or give control of your computer over to somebody else. And then they pull out those corrupted files that are making it run weird, right? And so here he said, evil company or connecting with evil things corrupts good habits. In other words, the good that God wants you to have flowing through your life can get corrupted by associations. And then there are people who say, it's okay. I'm strong enough. I can hang around with all that and do this. And no, they, they can corrupt you. Things can get in you that shouldn't be in you. And then you could have corrupted habits. You with me? Let's look at it from another scripture. Well, let's look at this one. Acts 4 on the way to Proverbs. Acts the fourth chapter. So if Jesus said love like I love, it was through their fellowship and association and observation and personal experience that they were then to turn and give this to people. So Acts the fourth chapter, it says this, uh, now, in the 13th verse, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were untrained or literally ignorant and uneducated. 
it says that they marveled and they reasoned that they had been with Jesus. You could say it like this. They recognized that by them hanging out with Jesus, this stuff wore off on them. And what wore off on them, they were living out in public. Just like evil company. And some people say, well, I can watch all this and it doesn't hurt me. But if God deals with you and you know, don't. Don't be deceived. Is what he was saying. And people need to recognize that. This is why God has called us to an intimate relationship with him in a dark world and where we look in the word of God because the world is not going to teach you to love one another and to be patient and to be kind and put God first. It's dog eat dog. It's all about me. It's not about God first and about others. It's me, 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 me. If that's what's playing on your radio... You need to change the station. You say, radio, you know, coming out of your mouth. Somewhere, something's got in that shouldn't. And Jesus said, I want you to repeat what you're getting with me. So then I got to go back to the source. I've got to go back to the fundamental of, of not just reading my Bible. Because you can get legalistic, but through your relationship. Notice Proverbs, the 22nd chapter. This verse of scripture has been a huge thing to me over the years. And I, and I think about this verse periodically because of its ramifications. Proverbs, the 22nd chapter. And it's in line with this same thing about associating with the Lord but it's a, the more the negative side. But anywhere there's a negative side, you can flip the principle and see how it works in the positive. Right? In other words, evil company corrupts good habits. You could say it like this. Climb in your oven and you will get hot. Climb in your refrigerator and you will get cold. I just don't believe in that. If there's anybody who doesn't believe in that, I don't. You're deceived. Everybody's like, well, that's just too simple. That's exactly what he's saying. If you don't spend time in the icebox, you ain't going to get cold or come under that influence. And if you don't spend time in the oven, you're not going to come under that influence. Now, we live in a world, and we're not talking about running and hiding in a cave. And God is greater in us and can help us. But at the same time, there are principles that govern certain things. And so Proverbs 22, notice verse 24, says this. Make no friendship with an angry man. Whoa. And with a furious man, do not go. Why not? Lest you learn of his ways. Oh, you mean you could learn of their ways and get a snare under your soul? Or in other words, you start getting this in your own life. I mean, parents recognize this, whether they're godly or not. They say, are you hanging around so-and-so again? How did you know? 
because kids pick up attitudes, right? It's only kids, though. No, don't be deceived. Thank you. And so, isn't it wonderful to be around the things of God? To be around the Lord? We have a great thing at our disposal called fellowship with God. But how many people are too busy in life to do that? Too busy. I'm, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I, I'm just too busy. I've got too many of these things to do and too much of this to do. You recognize the principle here. I don't have to say anything else. Or maybe I do. Here's an interesting verse. John 3. Most of you know this. If we're supposed to hang around with the Lord, what is it that we're going to experience? What is it that would then rub off on me? What, what would rub off on me? What would my mind be shaped with if I'm hanging around with him? Haven't you ever been around somebody who is patient or kind? And then, then as they talked and you observed them for a while, you thought, that tastes good. I like that. And then you, without thinking about it, start going, I'm going to be like that. Anybody ever done that? You met somebody who wasn't just a taker, but was a giver of kindness. And not just leeching and sucking everything, but they were looking to give and looking that way. Those things can be real refreshing. You know what I mean? And we have the opportunity to hang around God. I mean flat, hang around with God. All the time. And, and we, by virtue of what man did, are undeserving. I mean, God gave us everything and said, here's this, and I just don't want you to eat of this, and here you go, and I'm going to come and hang and talk with you. And man said, no. I'm going to follow this and go the way of the devil. You would think God would go, eh, forget it. But God is love. John 3, verse 16. I mean, man didn't deserve this. I didn't deserve this, but we can observe it and realize and see his character. And then this character in, would get in us and shape our mentality. Even though our spirits are made new in Christ, our mentality can be changed and then people who don't deserve certain things, we would still be kind to them. Aren't we to be imitators of God as dear children? And then the next part of the verse, which I didn't say earlier in Ephesians 5, and walk in love as he did. Notice John three sixteen: For God so loved the world, stop, the world that had rebelled against him. The people who flat out disobeyed him and listened to the enemy. God loved them. That's me and that's you. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son 
that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Now here's the verse that we should read also. Verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. God's relationship with you, even after you're saved, is not a condemning relationship. Some people think it is. But Christ paid the penalty and God is not condemning you. Does he want you to live any old way? No, we just read verses that different things would affect you. God wants what's best. And he said, for God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but that through his son the world might be saved or be able to walk with him. So God shows mankind his great love by sending Jesus. The message isn't, you're going to hell. Well, they are. The message is, the way of escape has been made. Somebody said, why does God send people to hell? He doesn't. He has worked overtime to come, to send his son, to live perfect, to be a substitution, to not condemn the world, but make the way of escape. Jesus. So if we're observing him, but we're not thinking love and kindness, will some people go to hell? Yeah, people go, but not because of God's effort, not because of God wanting. And so if we look at this and realize, you know, that Jesus is the expression of God, then what we see him do in earth and how we see him live is not in a condemning way. Think of it. How many times did he condemn people who he caught in sin? Oh, just regularly. You say, oh, you dirtbag. I can't believe it. Did it again. So if we're associating with him, we recognize he does not like sin because he said, go and don't do that again. But at the same time, he was merciful. He was patient. He was kind. And he was God's expression of love toward humanity. He was God in the flesh. And so if we associate with him, then do you think that would help us if we really got a clear picture of him and we lived with the clear picture and we associated with him over the long haul that our lives should be transformed? It should then be that we would grow in mercy, that we would grow in love, and we would grow in these things. And not because others initiated it first. That's what people are looking for, for others to initiate it first. Well, if they were kind, I'd be kind. Notice he, Jesus didn't say, if they're kind, be kind. He said, no, you observe me, not them. You observe me, and then you turn around and give this. He didn't say, observe them, and if they deserve it, then give it. Because I guarantee you, a lot of us would not qualify. I mean, I know I would, because I'm pretty perfect. No, no, no. And if you've got that mindset, you're wrong too. 
no matter how good and how perfect we are, we are not as perfect as we think. So he didn't say, look at other people, see if they deserve this, because God would have looked at the whole earth and said they don't deserve this. But he came knowing nobody deserved it, that they had already messed up his plan and then sent his son. And when he came, he didn't go, I'm here, but I'll tell you what, you guys did this once before, you dirt bags. No, he didn't come to condemn them. He said they were already condemned. They were living condemned. Man was already in that state, the Bible said. You don't have to condemn people. Many already live there because they don't know Jesus. The sad thing is, is when we don't know him and we still live in condemnation. Thank you. Or we know him, but don't know him like we should. Because if we hang out with them, stuff's going to wear off. You know what I mean by stuff, attitudes, ways, and, and things will be different. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Because we're born of God, we're children if we are, if we've received him. And 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says this. Therefore, if anyone, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone, who's that? Yeah, anyone. You think that could include me? I don't know, are you anyone? Well, I think I might be in that. He said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ. So that tells me not everyone is in Christ. The Bible tells us for those who have received Jesus, it said the Spirit put you in Christ. Whether you know it or not, See, some people think, well, when I got saved, I got forgiven. No, when you got saved, you got in Christed. I know that's not a word. But you got put in Christ. You're in him. You're not in the kingdom of darkness anymore. The Bible said you've been put in Christ. So that's why he's divine. You're the branch. Where does the life come? You're connected. You're one with him. He's the head. And so therefore, if any man is in Christ, we read in this, verse 17, he is a dirtbag. He's a scum. He's a sinner. Oh, see, some people say, yeah, you know, that's me. I, you, if you're saved, you might sin, but that didn't make you by nature a sinner. Like I've said before, how many people have called themselves Christians and say, well, I'm just a sinner, I'm just a sinner, I'm just a sinner, I'm just, you know, I'm just not good, I'm not, I'm this. But if I saw your kid and said, oh, how's your little sinner kid, your not good kid? Some of you'd be like, I'm taking, I'm leaving this place. Who is this? Well, why are you talking about God's kid like that? You are his child. And Peter, you know, when he wouldn't go to the Gentiles, the Lord appeared to him and said, do not you, Peter, or others, call what I have cleansed common and unclean. Notice this verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Where are you a new creation? In your mind? No, because the Bible tells us to control your mind and tells us to renew your mind. 
And then it tells you, you're going to have some foreign thoughts that come into your mind that are not from God and that are not from you. And he said, you're going to have to take those captive. But he said here, you're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What all things have become new? It's not all inclusive, everything, but it's all spiritual things. Your body isn't new when you get saved. Now it can come under the influence of new life. Your mind is not new. You have the same mind. You have to renew it, but you've got a new nature. And if you lost your body, that spiritual part of you, if you could see it, is new in Christ. That's when we say we, re- we received eternal life. Well, what kind of life did you get? You got the life that God has in you. Jesus said, I've come that they might have my life and have it in them or have God's life. So you get it in you. You don't get it in your feelings and you don't get it in your mind. And that's where people get confused. And then they start identifying with what they've done more than identifying with who they really are in Christ. And really, the only way you can know that is is if a nuclear bomb hit and everybody blew up and we left our body and saw Oh, they're saved. They're not. They're different. They ha- Why are they look like? They're going down. We're going up. But that you can only do one time and it doesn't help because we're all gone. While we live here, we need to know how to identify. You know, I said that with this accident, you know, that's been on everybody or on a lot of people's minds with Kobe Bryant and everything this last week. I said, what if you could have been there and been in the spirit and seen? Kobe Bryant and those people they either went up or they went down. And it wasn't because of how good they were and what they did. It's what they did with Jesus. Period. And we don't want bad for anybody, but we can't just have the idea and think that everybody who dies goes to heaven. When Jesus himself said more go to hell, then they go to heaven because they choose the broad path of life, which is not Jesus. But I say that to say this. We need to recognize, and I don't know where they went. I don't know because I'm not personally acquainted whether somebody led them to the Lord or what. I I have no idea. But what I do know is we have a x-ray vision book, so to speak, that will tell you when you read the book what you look like inside. Not how you feel but what you look like in Christ. And so he said, you're a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, the new has come. And all things are of God. What? What made, what part of you is made new? Well, then, then you could say it like this. Then if we're made new of God and God is love, then the new part of me would find its fullest expression when I walk in love. And when I walk outside of love, I walk outside of the expression or the way that my inward man would be most comfortable, would be most freed. You say, what do you mean? Well, if I live according to the outward man, my inward man gets locked away. 
when I refuse the outward old ways by renewing my mind and becoming associated with God and thinking and acting like him, the new man is released. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, the Bible said the fruit of the spirit or this new life is love and joy and peace. Where is fruit? Is it inside the vine, inside the branch, or out on the limb? Well, you got new life, but when you walk in love, you let that life out. You begin to see the fruit of that life. When I oppose love, I lock life that I have away with God if I'm saved. You with me? So notice this. We're going to look at two verses, and I believe we'll close here. But 1 John 4, 1 John 4, and we'll look at the 16th verse here. And there's a lot to be said about love, obviously. 1 John 4 and verse 16. It says, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. Now in the context the love God has toward us that we've known. Because some people say, I don't know God's love. I don't even know if he loves me. Because some people have been religiously taught and thought if God loved him, he's going to come up and give him a big old hug and a kiss. There you go. Pat him on the rear and say, I love you. Go away. Go on. So, oh, he loves me. That, God's not going to do that Tuesday or Friday or whenever. Somebody said, well, I experienced him do that for me once. Okay, great. No problem. But that's not how he's talking about knowing his love here. Knowing and believing the love here is what was his love he was talking about here. Giving Jesus. We've known Jesus. We believed in him. When you know Jesus and you believed in him, you believed in God's love toward you. So you don't have to say, I don't know if I have faith that God loves me. If you receive Jesus, you have received God's love toward you. That was his love toward humanity. And so he said, you, we, meaning these believers, have known and believed the love that God has for us. Notice this, God is love. God does not love. God is love. And because he is love, he does love. But I mean, we say God is powerful. God is powerful and he's all powerful. But he, I mean, this word right here, God is love. If I'm hanging out with God, that's why when we read the word of God, it shouldn't just be rules and just, okay, I'm going to read the Bible. And I'm going to memorize. It should be through a vital relationship because have you ever met religious people? They can be some of the most harsh people. Jesus ran into them. They can be some of the most unkind people. But they could quote scriptures, but they seem to miss it in the area of love. Because who was it that brought the woman that was caught in the act of adultery? Bunch of religious peoples and leaders. And they said, hey, Moses said, if you catch somebody doing this, you should stone them. They could quote the scripture, so can Satan. And um, so they quoted the scripture, and Jesus 
by the inspiration of God, or you could say by the inspiration of love, said, he who's without sin casts the first stone. They had known scriptures, but they were missing the living God. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, if you would really have known the scriptures that you say you're searching, you would believe in me because they would have revealed me to you. They were searching them. They weren't finding the right thing in them. So when we look in the scripture, it should be done through a vital living relationship. It should be done prayerfully. You, you, you with me? Just, just making sure. So 1 John 4, 16, the last part says, God is love and he who abides in love or you could say it like this in Jesus because the love you're believing in is Jesus. Abides in God and God in him. But notice that phrase, God is love. So if God is love and we're to associate with God through our relationship that we have with him in Christ, through his word and through fellowship, our lives may not be altered overnight hugely, but there should be an ongoing transformation, and this should be part of it. You with me? Most of us know 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, you know, love is patient, love is kind. Uh, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, uh, it does not uh, dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. It goes on to say, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. And when it says love never fails, it means not that it doesn't. Some people think when it says it never fails, it means it won't fail you. It literally means it will never become obsolete. Love never becomes obsolete because love does fail to produce certain results sometimes. Didn't God give his son for all the world? Didn't he? Wasn't that an expression of love? So all the world, God's will was all men to be saved, but we know not all men will be saved. So love didn't produce 100% results. It failed to produce 100%, but it paid for 100%. You get what I'm talking about? But, but the one thing about love is it will never become obsolete because God will live forever. So love will be forever. So here's what I want to say. It says, then it goes on to say, but where there are prophecies, they will cease in other words, love won't. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there are, is knowledge, it will pass away. But, but So we're familiar with this verse, right? Most of us are. Everybody's got this. Now I'm going to read this different before we close. Because what was the whole thing we started off on? That you or I or any disciple of the Lord is to love others as we are loved or experience his love and know his love. So if God is love, isn't he? We, we read that. If God is love, 
and we're to associate with God, what if I change a word here? Somebody said, oh, yeah, well, no, it'll be okay. Because if God is love, then couldn't you say true love is God or from God? So I'm going to read this, and instead of saying love, I'm going to put the word God in there. Okay? Because if God is love, then this is going to be how he is, right? So I'm going to read it different. Instead of love is patient, God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. God does not boast. And if anybody could, it'd be God. And he doesn't. Some people don't realize, and they say, God, just do this to prove it to everybody. God doesn't boast. He requires men to trust. He's a lover. So he's not always boasting. Think about it. If I hang around God and I start noticing that, I may boast today, and I may boast. And remember, even Paul said, I don't boast in these things. Wonder why he started changing, because he used to boast in how he was so religious and he knew all this. But he came into a relationship with God. He started hanging out with God and somehow he changed. But if God doesn't boast, it, the longer I hang out with him and correctly see things, it's going to change me. But remember, love does not boast. God does not boast. Love or God is not proud. It's not all about self with him. We see that in him giving his son. Love or God does not dishonor others. Wow. God does not dishonor others. So if I'm hanging around with God, then I'm not going to just dishonor other people. I'm going to watch what I say and how I act about other people, whether they're right or wrong. I mean, nobody's right. when If you put God as the standard, who, who could dishonor somebody? God. Because, I mean, I mean, if you have the line right there, I mean, nobody matches him. And he, God, who is love, doesn't dishonor people. He doesn't dishonor. He gave all people the chance to serve him or not. He didn't force him. Notice it says, love or God is not self-seeking. If I hang out with God uh, and I see him, I'm, I wonder if this would wear off on me eventually. I may not be perfect, but if I'm associated with him, I, I, this stuff's going to wear off. This is what I'm going to see through my relationship with him. Love or God is not easily angered. And you can read that in scriptures. And his anger is just, but for a moment it says. How many people could get answers for their anger if they really hung out with God? And that if they did get angry, it wouldn't last for a long time. It would only last for a moment. These are attitude-driven things. This is core God. Love or God keeps no record of wrongs. How many keep a record of wrong? You know what they did. You know how they do. What if I hung out with God and found out he wasn't keeping records about me? 
maybe after a while and I'm observing love or observing God, I would think, man, he's just been so merciful to me. He came and he didn't condemn the world and then he paid the full price and now he's not holding sins against the world. He just gave them a free gift if they'll just receive it. Because Christ already paid it. But then it says love does not or God does not delight in evil. If I find myself delighting in evil, maybe my companions have had an influence on me. And maybe just through hanging out with God and seeing who he really is and knowing he doesn't delight in evil, I would start thinking, you know what? It's not as enjoyable as it once was. But notice, it rejoices in the truth. Or you could say this, not only does love rejoice in it, God rejoices in the truth. You think hanging out with God could change my attitude toward his things? Verse 7 says, love always protects. Man, you could think of Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place in the most high God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. It's a psalm of God reaching out protection for whoever would claim it and want to walk in it. Jesus said, how often I would have gathered you like a mother hen to protect you, but you would not. Though God wants to, we have to participate. But it love or God always protects or wants to. Always trusts, always believes the best or is wanting to believe the best. God wants to believe the best. It always hopes, love does, God does, and always perseveres. Aren't you glad God hasn't given up on us? And so love never fails. You could say this, it never becomes obsolete, this love action. Or you could say God and his love actions never end. Verse 